0: Take your Bibles, if you would, and let's turn together to Proverbs chapter 14. Proverbs chapter 14. The book of Proverbs has been called the most practical book in the Bible, and we are finding that to be so, aren't we? And uh, for a number of weeks now, we've been in the book of Proverbs and gaining some proverbial biblical wisdom, seeing it applied to our daily lives. And this morning, we're going to look at the very practical subject, how to be wise with your decisions. How to be wise with your decisions. Decisions are a fact of life. They're just a part of life. Everybody makes decisions. Everybody makes decisions every day. All day long we're making decisions. Some of our decisions are inconsequential. Do you want a brown sugar cinnamon pop tart or a strawberry pop tart? <laughs> you know? Do you want white toast or wheat toast? It's really not a big life changing decision. On the other hand, there are some decisions that we make that are life changing. They can set your, your life on a whole new course. Life-altering decisions. Some decisions really are life and death decisions. Some decisions we make in a split second. Other decisions we deliberate over very slowly. We, we take our time. Some people have a hard time making decisions. I have a grandson that is comically indecisive. It's, it's, almost, it's funny now. He cannot make a decision to save his life. There was a weekend a few few months ago where his aunt and uncle thought they would spoil him for a little bit. He's one of three kids, so they thought we'll we'll let him be an only child for a weekend. We'll just spoil him, and so they brought him home and took him to the store and said, "Okay, for tonight, you know, movie night or whatever they were doing, you pick out two snacks, anything you want." So they took him to the grocery aisle, you know, with potato chips and little debbies. You pick out two snacks, anything you want for tonight. You're in charge. Thirty minutes later. He has handled every snack on that aisle four times. He just can't decide. Finally, my son has had it. He's just over this. If you don't pick something right now, we're not going to get anything. And, of course, he's just, he, just, he just froze, just froze, paralyzed by indecision. There are some people who are so afraid of making the wrong decision, even after they have decided, they rethink, relive, rehash, and second-guess the decision they made. Well, maybe I shouldn't have done that. Maybe I should have gone with option A. Maybe it's is it too late to change my mind. Can we go back and, and so forth? Well, decisions. You, you, you win some, you lose some. We all make decisions. Some of them turn out well. Some of them turn out not so well. You can't win them all. But we want to make the wisest decisions we can. And the book of Proverbs is going to help us with that process this morning. So how to be wise with your decisions. If you have your bulletin, There's a listening guide on the back panel, and we're going to be back and forth all through Proverbs this morning, so I hope you have your Bible and that you'll keep it open. But on your outline, we're going to start, first of all, with some of the enemies of wise decisions. Proverbs is going to show us some things that will get in the way of making wise decisions. Let's look at chapter 14 and verse 8. The wisdom of the sensible is to understand his way, but the foolishness of fools is deceit. The wisdom of the sensible is to understand his way. Or another translation puts it this way. The wisdom of the prudent is to give thought to their ways. Impulsive decisions, or impulsiveness, there's your first enemy, impulsiveness. Impulsive decisions tend not to be the wisest decisions. You go into the grocery store. Where do you find milk and eggs? The back of the store. Many times, bread is on the opposite side of the store. Why don't they put all that stuff up front? Wouldn't that be convenient? Oh, no. They want you to go all over that store. Why? They want to give you all the opportunities they can for you to make impulse purchases. Everybody's going to go in and buy milk, bread, and eggs, so you're going to go all over that store. All those opportunities abound. You go to the checkout line. All that stuff there at the checkout line, that's for impulse park purchases. That's why it's even there. Well, that looks good. Well, that looks interesting. Well, I didn't think about that. Y'all yeah, better grab some of that, impulse purchases. Now, if you buy a pack of gum on an impulse, well, that's not life-changing. That's okay. But there are big decisions in life that don't need to be impulsive. You need to think through that decision. Every parent knows this question very well. What were you thinking? (laughs) I mean, we ask that question a lot. What, and it's a rhetorical question, but what were you thinking? Part of the challenge of raising children, parenting teenagers, is trying to get them to think through their actions. Consider the consequences. What did you think would happen? What were you thinking when you did this? Consider the consequences. Forecast the future. That's not just for children and teenagers. It's for adults as well. As you contemplate this decision Think, think that through what will this mean in a year? What will this look like in five years? What will be the ramifications in ten years? think that through impulsive decisions uh, are they are the enemy of wise decisions here's another enemy of wise decisions that 's emotional decisions emotions let 's go to proverbs twenty five proverbs twenty five and verse twenty eight proverbs twenty five twenty eight Like a city that is broken into and without walls is a man who has no control over his spirit. And we talked about this a little bit back when we were talking about how to be wise with your anger. But we could apply that really to any emotions, all of our emotions. When you don't have control over your spirit, when you can't manage your emotions, you're going to be like a a city without walls. You're going to be, bad things are going to happen. You're going to be defenseless and vulnerable and bad things are going to happen. Emotions can be the enemy of wise decisions. When I was young, I used to love Star Trek. Now the original Star Trek, you none know of that next generation garbage. The original Captain Spock, you know, or Captain Kirk and Commander Spock. And I always wanted to be Spock. Man, he was just cool. Live long and prosper, y'all. I mean just he was cool. He was unemotional, driven by logic. Just he was cool. But he was Less than human. He was only half human. Less than human. God gave us our emotions. This is part of what makes us human. God gave us our emotions. And our emotions add depth and richness and vitality to life. If it weren't for emotions, we would not know the thrill of excitement and exhilaration and joy and happiness or sadness or sorrow or grief or compassion or guilt. Emotions are a gift from God. But when it comes to making decisions emotions need to be the caboose (laughs) not the engine that drives the train if you make decisions based on emotions you're going to live a roller coaster life and you're going to drive everybody around you crazy i've known some folks like that haven't you i mean they just live their emotions drive the train they're up and down and they make the craziest decisions why emotions are in charge you know it's not a proverb in the bible but it is a kind of a contemporary proverb, a common sense proverb today. You don't need to make major decisions after you've gone through a traumatic event. If, you have, if you've experienced the death of a loved one, gone through a divorce, if you've had major surgery or a health scare, some kind of major event in your life, you don't need to be making decisions for a while. Why? Your emotions. You're not thinking clearly. You don't know that you're not thinking clearly. But you need to let those emotions settle down. Or maybe it's hormones too. Hormones can make you crazy. All that stuff needs to settle down. Then you can think clearly and make decisions. But we've all known people who made emotional decisions and it didn't turn out well. Guy gets mad at work, quits his job. That was an emotional decision and it wasn't a good one. <laughs> Got mad, quit his job. Or someone gets their feelings hurt at church so they leave the church. Or someone else suffers the death of a, of a spouse. Next thing you know they're remarried in three months. What was that? That's an emotional decision. Loneliness. Or someone else is depressed, so they quit their job and move to another state trying to get out of their depression. Just just emotions. Be careful. It's the enemy of wise decisions. Here's another enemy. Wicked counsel. Wicked counsel. Chapter 12 and verse 5. Chapter 12, verse 5. The thoughts of the righteous are just, but the counsels of the wicked... Are deceitful. The counsels of the wicked are deceitful. Ungodly people will give ungodly advice. People who live without regard for God or God's word, God's will, God's ways, they will give you ungodly advice. Wicked counsel. And I'll tell you, it is easy. It is easy to find people who will give you ungodly advice. They're everywhere. They're around every corner, everywhere you turn, there's somebody there who will tell you, well, you just got to do what's best for you. Well, you deserve better. Well, you just got to follow your heart. Well, if it feels good, do it. Or you got to take care of yourself. And, I mean, you always find somebody who will give you ungodly advice. And that will lead to ungodly, unwise decisions. Here's another one. Carnal decisions are the enemy of wise decisions. Carnal decisions, that is to say fleshly Appetites, chapter 14 and verse 16 a wise man is cautious and turns away from evil but a fool is arrogant and careless a quick tempered man acts foolishly and a man of evil devices is hated notice again verse 16 a wise man is cautious and turns away from evil so much of the book of Proverbs as we have seen is really about discipline and self control saying no to the wrong things saying yes to the right things saying no to temptation, doing what is right, get up, go to work, work hard, Um, don't do anything stupid with with sex or money or marriage or work or your words or your emotions and so forth. When you make decisions born out of carnal appetites, out of the flesh, as the New Testament would say, then you're you're, you're going to be making unwise decisions. And then one last enemy of wise decisions would be rushed decisions. Rushed decisions. Chapter 21, Proverbs 21 and verse 5. The plans of the diligent lead surely to advantage, but everyone who is hasty comes surely to poverty. Hear that again. The plans of the diligent lead surely to advantage, but everyone who is hasty comes surely to poverty. Don't rush in too quickly. Rushed decisions, rash decisions tend not to be wise decisions. I heard about a fellow who refused to make decisions at night. He just wouldn't do it. He learned the hard way. I'm going to sleep on it. I'll make my decision tomorrow. I'm going to sleep on it. One of the oldest sales techniques in the book is to push the customer. Go ahead and buy this right here, right now. It's a salesman's technique. You know, this this sale, today's the last day of this sale. Like it'll never be on sale again. You know, (laughs) today's the last the sale ends today. You better go ahead and buy this today, right now. Don't think about it. You just better do it. Or this is the last one I have in stock. Oh, no, that's not true. He's got 20 more just like it in the back. But, oh, yeah, this is the last one. (gasps) I better buy it. Well, I got somebody else. Somebody else is going to come look at this at 3 o'clock. And I sure would hate for you to miss out on it because I think they're interested. Oh, no, somebody else is going to buy it. All that is to say, you better hurry, hurry, hurry. We would avoid a lot of dumb decisions if we would slow down. You know what? I will not be rushed. I'm going to slow down. I'm going to think about it. I'm going to pray about it. I'm going to talk to my wife about it. I'm going to comparison shop. I'm going to do some research. I'm going to sleep on it. Then we'll come back and make a decision. But a rushed decision tends not to be the wise decision. Well, those are some enemies of wise decisions. Impulsiveness, emotional decisions, wicked counsel, carnal decisions, rush decisions. So that's what not to do. Now let's look at what to do. That's what we want to focus on. Well, how do I can I make wise decisions? Well, let's start here. Ask God for wisdom. That's a good place to start. Ask God for wisdom. Proverbs 9:10. We started here a long time ago in Proverbs chapter 9 and verse 10. Proverbs 9:10. The fear of the Lord "...is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding." We spent a whole Sunday talking about the fear of the Lord, having God in the right frame, in the right perspective, and understanding yourself in the right frame, in the right perspective. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. We spent a whole Sunday on Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Boy, that is the master text for making wise decisions, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he will do what? He'll direct your paths. He'll make your paths straight. And we learned from that text a while back, we need to trust God completely, trust God obediently. We need to trust God supremely and trust him expectantly. Bottom line is that wisdom starts with God. It comes from God, and it starts with God, and that starts with a right relationship with God. And a right relationship with God begins by being born again, putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. That's how it all starts. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, every one of us. We are natural-born sinners. All we like sheep have gone astray. Each has turned to his own way, and the wages of sin is death. Every one of us has sinned against God. We've broken God's laws, transgressed His ways, and our sins have separated us from God and condemned us to an eternity apart from God. The, The good news is that God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. And Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins. He paid the penalty you and I deserve. He died in our place, bore our sins in his body on the tree. He was buried. He was raised again. He's alive today. And he offers you the gift of eternal life. He will forgive your sins and save your soul and give you his life if you'll repent and put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. That's how you have a right relationship with God. That's how it starts. You must be born again. That's what Jesus said. You must be born again. Repent and believe the gospel now once you've been saved once you have that relationship with him now let's let's ask god for some wisdom here's what this looks like on your outline stay in god's word stay in god's word let the word of christ richly dwell within you the bible says the ways of the lord are right transgressors stumble in them the righteous walk in them Let his word abide in you and you abide in his word. In other words, you get in his word and let his word get in you. You abide in his word and his word will inform your decisions. So the next time you need to make a major decision, not whether or not to buy a pack of chewing gum, but the next time you make major life decisions, God's word will have an influence on that decision. Well, here's what the Bible says about it. That will help us. So you stay in his word. And then secondly, walk in his spirit. Walk in His Spirit. We heard last week, we heard Paul say, don't be drunk with wine, that's dissipation, recklessness, wastefulness, that's debauchery. But instead, be filled with the Spirit. Paul said, if you walk in the Spirit, you won't fulfill the desires of the flesh. And Galatians 5.25, if we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. So you want to get in His Word, (laughs) be filled with His Spirit, walk in His Spirit, and then thirdly, seek God's glory. Seek God's glory. First and foremost, I want God's glory. I want God glorified in me, or as Paul would say, for to me to live is Christ. And whether by life or by death, I want him exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all to the glory of God, do it all in the name of Christ. I want my life to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ, come what may, no matter what. In Psalm thirty-seven, if you want to hang on to Proverbs and just visit Psalm for a minute, or just listen, Psalm thirty-seven four. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he will do it. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light, and your judgment as the noonday. 700 years before Christ... Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, anticipated the new covenant, anticipated the life that you and I can enjoy in Christ Jesus, that the, that the new covenant is written in our hearts, that the Spirit of God would indwell us and lead us and guide us. And in Proverbs 30, 21, it says this, Your ears will hear a word behind you. This is the way. Walk in it whenever you turn to the right or to the left. That's That's a good description. That's the Holy Spirit. That's how... God guides His children. When you abide in His Word and His Word abides in you and you are walking in the Spirit, you're filled with the Spirit, when you are seeking His glory first and foremost, the Holy Spirit of God will guide you. Turn left, turn right, do this, don't do that. Say yes, say no. His Spirit will guide you. Over in the New Testament, the book of James, sometimes called the book of Proverbs in the New Testament, in the book of James it says, any of you lack wisdom? Ask me over here you lack wisdom ask of God he gives liberally without reproach that'd be me ask the Lord for wisdom if you are in his word his word is in you you're walking in the spirit and your desire I want God glorified in me no matter what God will guide you because now you're on the same page God is God wants to be glorified in your life too if that's what you want that's what I want let's get together and he will guide you in your decisions So, it's so obvious it doesn't need to be said, but we might as well say it. Ask God for wisdom. Lord, what would you have me do in this situation, in this decision? What would you have me do? Give me wisdom. And then, here's another step ask wise advisors. So, watch out for the enemies, these pitfalls. Ask God for wisdom, and then ask wise advisors. Now, let's just take a little walk. Proverbs has a lot to say about this. Proverbs 1 and verse 5. A wise man will hear an increase in learning. A man of understanding will acquire wise counsel. That's a parallelism. The wise man is the man of understanding. The wise man, the man of understanding, he will hear an increase in le- learning. He listens. Who does he listen to? He listens to wise counsel. The wise man listens to wise counsel. Chapter 11 and verse 14. Proverbs 11, 14, where there is no guidance, the people fall. But in abundance of counselors, there is victory. And in an abundance of counselors, people who can give you wise advice, wise counsel, there is victory. Chapter 15, chapter 15 and verse 22, without consultation, plans are frustrated. But with many counselors, they succeed. Along the same lines, 24-6 says, For by wise guidance you will wage war, and in abundance of counselors there is victory. So how can I make wise decisions? We'll get some wise advice. <laughs> Ask around. Get some wise counselors in your, wife, in your life, people who can give you wise advice, wise counsel. Well, where do I go for that? <laughs> where do you find wise counsel? Well, I'm glad you asked. Let me give you some sources of wise counsel. Number one, your parents. Your parents, wise parents, wise, godly parents can be a source of wise counsel. Let's look. Proverbs chapter 6. Proverbs chapter 6 and verse 20. My son, observe the commandment of your father. Do not forsake the teaching of your mother. In other words, listen to your father and your mother. Listen to us. Bind them continually on your heart. Tie them around your neck. When you walk about, they'll guide you. When you sleep, they'll watch over you. When you awake, they will talk to you. Over in Proverbs 23 and 22, it says, Listen to your father who begot you and do not despise your mother when she is old. Let me talk to our young people for a moment. Young people, listen. Your parents are your greatest cheerleaders. No one is more invested in your success than your parents. No one cares more about you than your parents. They are on your side. Listen to your parents not only are they invested in your success and they want what is best for you in your life they also have about a 20 or 30 year head start on you they know some stuff because they've been there done that they've made mistakes they've seen other people make mistakes they've had some successes and failures they can teach you a thing or two about a thing or two listen to your parents now even even when you're an adult you ought to Listen to your parents. Now, you don't have to do everything they say once you're an adult. You have to do everything they say. You may not agree with everything they say. You may not like everything they say. But you owe it to yourself to, to listen. They might have some wise counsel to offer you. I like the old illustration of, of going on a cross-country road trip. We're all going to go cross-country. Mom and Dad leave about a week ahead, though, so they get a head start, and we're about a week behind them, and here we go. And every few days, Mom and Dad can call back and check in and say, Hey, when you're in Memphis, make sure you go eat at such and such a restaurant. Best ribs I've ever had in my life. You've got to stop and eat at this restaurant. It's amazing. Or they might say, whatever you do, don't stop at the sleazy sleep. It is nasty. <laughs> we were in fear for our lives. Bed bugs were crawling all over the mattress. We, we, we left. We didn't even spend the night. We left. Don't stop at the sleazy sleep. It's gross. Or they could say, hey, watch out. I-40 between Jackson and Memphis. It's a hot mess. I mean, we sat still for three hours don't, don't go that way. Find another way. Are your parents trying to control your life? No. They're just a little bit ahead and they can tell you here's some things you want to do, here's some things you might not want to do. We've learned a few things along the way. You're just learning from their experience. Godly, wise parents can be a great source of wise counsel. Here's another source your spouse. Your spouse. A godly wise spouse. Now we talked about how to be wise with marriage a while back. But let's take a little walk. Proverbs chapter twelve. Proverbs twelve and verse four. An excellent wife is the crown of her husband. Amen. She who shames him. Uh-huh. Somebody's guilty or wants something, I don't know. <laughs> she who shames him is like rottenness to his bones. But listen, an excellent wife is the crown of her husband. Chapter eighteen. Chapter 18 and verse 22, he who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. Chapter 19, verse 14, house and wealth are an inheritance from fathers, but a prudent wife is from the Lord. Now the main context of Proverbs, we have men talking to men. We have a father talking to a son a lot of the time, but this, it applies equally. If God has given you a wise, godly husband, you are blessed. And if you have a wise, godly wife, you are blessed. Your spouse, a wise, godly spouse, can be a source of wise counsel. We can go all the way back to the very beginning of the Bible, very beginning of human history. God created us male and female. Male and female created he them. Newsflash. Men and women are different. (laughs) I know, it's shocking, surprising, maybe offensive. Men and women are different. We are completely different. We are different in every possible way. Not only are men and women different, teenage boys and teenage girls, they're different animals. Little boys are different from little girls, different animals. You know what we know now? In the womb, little baby boys are different from little baby girls. In utero, men and women are different. God made us different so that he might make us one. It also drives us crazy (laughs) sometimes, doesn't it? Because she doesn't think the way I think. Well, I don't understand his brain. It just doesn't work right. Men and women, we think differently. We process things differently. We hear different. we It's just different. But folks, that's some genius there too. Because, you know the old saying, two heads are better than one. Well, you have two godly heads, it's way better than one. And we can avoid a lot of dumb decisions if we just let our godly spouses weigh in. Sometimes they can bring some, some real sense, some wisdom some of the, to some of the dumb decisions we might otherwise make. Well, your spouse. Here's another source of wise counsel. Wise seniors. Godly seniors. Let's go to chapter 16. Chapter 16, verse 31. A gray head is a crown of glory. It is found in the way of righteousness. Chapter 20 and verse 29. Chapter 20, verse 29. The glory of young men is their strength. The honor of old men is their gray hair. In the book of Leviticus, it says, You shall rise up before the gray-headed and honor the aged. You shall revere your God. I am the Lord. The Bible is saying there can be a lot of wisdom under that gray hair. Now, not always. (laughs) Sometimes older is not wiser, but there's the potential for a lot of wisdom under that gray hair. Again, they've just been through some stuff. Someone who lives long enough to get gray hair, they've 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 experienced some things. They've seen some things. They've learned some things. They may have learned some things the hard way. There can be some wisdom under that gray hair. Maybe they can't reprogram your router, (laughs) but they know some things about life. What have we seen time and time again in the book of Proverbs? Our world looks very different from Solomon's world. Boy, the world is different, but humanity hasn't changed a bit. People don't change. The world may have changed. Technology has changed. Things look different, work different, but people are still the same. So you might find some godly counsel under that gray haired A godly, wise senior. And then Christian friends can be a source of wise counsel. Godly Christian friends. Again, we spent a whole Sunday talking about how to be wise with your friends. But in Proverbs 27, Proverbs 27, verse 6, Faithful... Are the wounds of a friend, but deceitful are the kisses of an enemy. What does that mean, faithful are the wounds of a friend? A true friend, a loving friend, a godly friend will tell you what you need to hear, not just what you want to hear. They can speak the truth in love, and they may cause a little bit of pain, but it's for your benefit. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Move down in verse verse 9. Oil and perfume make the heart glad. So a man's counsel is sweet to his friend. It's good to get the advice, the counsel from a godly Christian friend verse 17 iron sharpens iron so one man sharpens another so a godly friend may give you godly advice speaking the truth in love and then we could also just say other godly counsel other godly counsel and by godly counsel i mean people who are walking with god people who know the lord who love the lord who walk with the lord People who love God's Word, who know God's Word, and live in light of God's Word. That's godly counsel. And many times God will bring these people into your life. These are a source. It might be a wise pastor. It might be your Sunday school teacher. It might be a deacon. It might be a, a godly family member or a, a co-worker or a godly Christian counselor, professional counselor, someone who works with people. Listen to Proverbs 12:15. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man is he who listens to counsel. Proverbs 13.10, through insolence comes nothing but strife, but wisdom is with those who receive counsel, those who will listen. Proverbs 19.20, listen to counsel and accept discipline that you may be wise the rest of your days. The point is this. Other people can see your situation from a different perspective. They can see it from the outside. And sometimes we have a hard time making the best decision or hard to know what to do because we're too close to it. We're invested in it. We, we, we have blind spots, whereas somebody who's on the outside, they can see it from a whole different angle. You know, oh, my, my perfect child would never do such a thing, and everyone else goes, oh, your child ain't perfect, and they would do that all day, every day, you know. Or I love him, and he's not that kind of boy, and everyone else goes, oh, he's totally that kind of boy. Get a clue. I mean, just outside perspective. Godly counsel. Uh, That you'll find in your lives. So, these are some sources of godly counsel. And then, one, uh, one last ingredient to making wise decisions is planned submission. So, ask God for wisdom, start there. Ask God for wisdom, ask wise advisors, and then planned submission. And by that I mean we make plans, we make our decisions as best as we can, informed by the Scripture, led by the Spirit, guided by wise counsel, and we make our decisions, we make our plans. Best we can, but then hold them loosely, knowing that everything is subject to the sovereign hand of God. Let's take a look. Proverbs 16, Proverbs 16 and verse 9. Proverbs 16, verse 9. The mind of a man plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. (laughs) He makes decisions, he sets big plans, he talks big talk, but the Lord directs his steps. Verse 33, move down to verse 33. The lot is cast into the lamp, but it's every decision is from the Lord. The lot was an ancient way of of making a decision, discerning God's will, almost like dice. The lot is cast into the lamp, but the Lord, every decision comes from the Lord, even through the lot. Chapter 20 and verse 24, chapter 20 and verse 24, man's steps are ordained by the Lord. How then can man understand his way? Our steps, our lives are ordained, ordered by the Lord. Proverbs 27 and verse 1. Proverbs 27, verse 1. Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring forth. All those decisions, all those plans, those big goals, you don't even know what a day may bring forth. You may not be able to do those things tomorrow. We'll end up in James. Jump over with me to the New Testament. Again, James is the Proverbs of the New Testament. In the book of James... James chapter 4 carries on this same wisdom. James 4, 13. James four thirteen. Come now, you who say, Today or tomorrow we'll go to such and such a city and spend a year there and engage in business and make a profit. Big talk. Yet you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. You are just a vapor that appears for a little while and vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, If the Lord wills. Lord willing. Lord willing. If the Lord wills we will live and also do this or that. But as it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So we want to make wise decisions. We ask God for wisdom. We let the Bible guide our decisions, the Holy Spirit to lead us. We ask wise counsel, get others to input, and we make the best decisions we can given the information we have at the time. But we hold all of that ever so loosely. And we pray as our, our Savior prayed, not my will, but thy will be done. Lord, not my will, but thy will be done. Make the best decision you can in light of all that we've said, but Lord, you're in charge. Not my will, but thy will be done. You know, you ever say this, well, the best decision we ever made, y'all ever say that? It's almost like a cliche in our family. Well, the best decision we ever made, it's hyperbole, it's an exaggeration, but when something goes well, we'll say that. You know, the best decision we ever made was to rent that car from Enterprise. That's the best decision we ever made. best decision we ever made was to get that all-inclusive package. That was the best decision we ever made. That's not the best decision we ever made. It just, hey, we made a decision, and it was for the win. It worked out really well. But let me tell you, without any exaggeration, without any hyperbole, the best decision you will ever make is to trust Jesus Christ with your life and soul. Say yes to Jesus Christ. Repent and believe the gospel. Turn from your sin. Throw throw yourself at his feet and say, oh, have mercy on me, a sinner. Jesus, forgive me. Save me. Take my life. I'm yours. Say yes to Jesus Christ. Be born again. That's the best decision you will ever make. The second best decision you'll ever make is to say, Jesus, thank you for saving me. Now I'm going to live for you. (laughs) I'm not going to seek my will. I'm going to seek your will. I'm not in it for my glory. I'm in it for your glory. It's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. Jesus, I want to live for you. That's the second best decision you'll ever make. Love the Lord. Serve the Lord. Live for the Lord. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, God, we thank you for your word, a living word, practical word. It just speaks to right where we are, right where we live. Lord, help us to make wise decisions for your glory, for our benefit, for your glory. God, I pray for the one who's never been saved and help them to hear they need Jesus Christ. The most important decision that they could ever make is to repent, to turn from sin and self, and to say yes to Jesus. Lord, I I ask you to bring them to the cross even today. Lord, for those other decisions that you would have made today, whether it's baptism or church membership or anything like that, Father, I pray that we would say yes to you, that we would listen and respond in obedience to what you would have decided today. Take charge of this time and we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.